Hey everybody, it's Eric Balance coming to you with the Resilient Minds podcast where I feature beautiful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and experts in their field where they help us discover their X factor, their experience of life, only to discover how they were able to accomplish and find out their why factor, their big why, their purpose in life. So join me as we get to discover the beauty of our minds and how can we really continue to go after the biggest and most wildest dreams while we continue to pursue and manifest our greatest intelligence that comes from the heart. Also, if you haven't, go check out the new alignment course that I've created at www.ericbalance.com forward slash alignment, A-L-I-G-N-M-E-N-T. See you on the show. Welcome everybody to the Resilient Minds podcast. I'm super excited to welcome here today with us, Christina Dam. And honestly, Christina, I want to know where are you right now? Because I just heard uh, an amazing garbage truck in the background. <laughs> Well, um, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm actually in my house, um, but you know, it's, it's garbage day, you know, the modern civilization duties, right? So I mean, keep on hearing it. You know, they, they come by one at a time. It's like the green truck, the blue truck, then the black truck, you know, and so. Hey, at least they're doing that. When I lived in Spain, they, they just put, they told us to separate everything and then they just put everything into one thing all the time. So it was like pointless. Oh. <laughs> yeah, made no sense. Yeah, absolutely not. So for for everybody that's listening and, and tuning in, you guys, I'm really excited. You know, Christina Down, she's an amazing hypnotherapist, healer, motivator, leader with a longing desire to cultivate positive change by holding a creative and healing space for transformation. What's this space called again? Uh, Liberate Yourself, which is actually the same name of my new book, Liberate Yourself. Very creative. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And here we are. It's interesting because on the resilient minds, we are talking about how are we taking our ex experience, our X factor, and really bringing that into our Y, our biggest Y factor, mm -hmm. and cultivating that around the, you know, the the communities, the families, the cultures, the organizations that we're really spreading ourselves. So liberating yourself, it's a huge kind of. Um, emergence of bringing that together. So I'm really excited to talk deeper about your book. But first and foremost, I'd love to know more about Christina. I'd love to know what encouraged you, got you excited? What was that big X factor that told you, say, hey, I need to get fully committed to this mission and mm -hmm. get excited about following that purpose and knowing that this was yours? Well, you know, I think it's actually something that was, you know, some people are just built with this knowing from like a smaller age, you know, it was one of those things that even as a child, like I, I always like dreamed of what else can be created and what can do. And I always hated people suffering. Um, I wanted to make changes. I was even vice president of my um, middle school and student body president. And like, I, I, in, in those times, I was like, what changes can I make? What impact can I shift on people? And then, you know, I, uh, you know, you're a traveling guy, and I grew up uh, pretty poor, and uh, I never got a chance to travel. And I always dreamed of I grew up in the Midwest. And I always dreamed of palm trees, you know, something tropical, you know, it was those things that you've seen in movies, these beautiful beaches, these wonderful trees. And uh, one of my best friend's parents got me this palm tree necklace. And I said, okay, when I'm able to, I'm going to move to somewhere, you know, with a palm tree. And so that's what led me to Los Angeles. And then I checked out Florida for a minute and then I ended up back in Los Angeles. But that the driving factor of how can I shift? How can I help? How can I heal? And, you know, I'm sure that it ties in a little bit to, I grew up in a large family. Uh, so I have six siblings, but the, the sibling that's right above me in age, her name's Tony, and she has disassociated identity disorder. Uh, but, you know, we didn't know this in the beginning, and that's a very rare diagnosis. It's not something that is really common. People think about the movies like Civil and stuff like that or hear about it, but you're talking about, you know, 
maybe a couple hundred diagnoses that happen annually. It's very, very rare to be diagnosed with that. And but I didn't know this growing up, and I just knew something was always off, right? You know, and the tension and the things that that caused and the ripple effect. And so I studied psychology, and I went and got my master's in psychology, and then I was like doing, you know, one of those things where I just want to know. I just want to know a little bit because. I want you to expand on disassociative uh, disorder because for okay. those that are listening, I'm just because I also I am also super curious about understanding this because my sister also um, has a, a bipolar, and okay. I, I actually I think that you know I'm self-diagnosed bipolar. I don't know, maybe maybe I have it too, but uh, just because I love to like really create, and I know that this is a, a moment of genius that I have, and then there's moments yeah. of external doubt, and so I think that you know there's a, a an experience of of all of us having these what are so-called disorders or yeah diseases but i don't think that they're so negative that society has actually conditioned most people to believe so i'd love oh. for you from your words and your perspective um really maybe first say what it means to you and what society has kind of communicated that as yeah so you know there's a couple things that um that kind of gets stirred up. So with, with my sister, with disassociated identity disorder, most people know that it's multiple personalities. And so there's a fractional, like on like more clinical level, there's, there's like a, a fraction of identity, this fractalation that happens in a person. And normally when they have a few, they have many. So, um, my sister has six identified majors and 36 minor personalities. Now her handwriting changes, other, other body postures changes. She likes to be called by different names and that, but she's, you know, it's sad because, you know, most of the times what happens with this and is there's an inability to process some kind of event that happens in life and that in that inability to process and cope then the separation. So it's really sad that our society just says, let's drug people, let there's something wrong with them. And, you know, when maybe, you know, this is their, their genius coping mechanism, and there can be a reintegration of, you know, alters in, in that case. Now with bipolar, it's very interesting how, how frequently that is diagnosed because, you know, we live in a world with seasons, right? For the most part, I mean, some areas you don't have too much seasons, but there's an ebb and flow in life. And it's interesting when people have these more highs and more lows, like it suddenly seemed as something that's completely abnormal and it shouldn't happen, but yet there's a winter and there's a summer. So I see that there's times when it's natural that people like yourself need to go into yourself kind of have those reflective thoughts and maybe that can be seen as more depressive or more dark or whatever the case may be, but you know, it, it is what it is. And then there's the light and there's the expression in the full bloom, you know, in the summer and we have that. And if we looked at that as more normal to have this, you know, we just try to not be in sequence with our harmonious. Well, I think that nature. this is the, Key. And I think that this is the key is, you know, if, if we really spend some time and realize that, hey, the bipolar, it, you know, like misrepresentation of what that, uh, and, and, you know, this persona of negativity that has been created, especially as I was growing up and, and how that really was um, uh, projected into society and yeah to me and my family and my, through my sister and everything like this, I really realized that, Hey, you know, like, fuck, we're all bipolar, you know, and maybe more of us should be, because if we take the time to go inside and we do the work on ourselves, then perhaps we will create this other part of ourselves that's super expressive and has the power, the might, the strength to step into yeah. that, second polarity that allows you because the contrast is so freaking important if we're not willing to go inside how can we go and, and really express outside and so to me i think because and we you know this just as well as i do we've been raised in a society that had conditioned us based off of fear and that we're not enough and lack mindset and scarcity and you know like you and me and thousands of our friends 
are like, fuck that. No more. We're here. To, we believe in abundance and we're going to help each other. And we're going to navigate in a way that's going to create change because we believe in it so wholeheartedly. We want to look after each other as a collective. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head of like the conditioning and the, and, and also the aspect of besides like the negativity and the fear and all of that, it's also this disassociated world that we live in people in more so now today than ever before with distractions of social media and all this other stuff. Like we just, it's, it's hurry up, do, 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 do. It's like, people aren't expected to have an off day. People are expected to have to return to a message or an inbox within, you know, 30 minutes. Right. You know, and it's, it's just crazy. It's like, where's the time to feel. And if more people allowed themselves to feel one, they could process and go through it. What is that dark moment? What is that inward reflection? It's the ability to process, right? And out of processing, you grow. And without the ability to process, you stagnate yourself. This is, um, I think, maybe part, and, um, you know, allow me to say is like, you know, maybe this disassociative disorder that um your family member your sister um you know relates to my curiosity is like maybe she's mirroring back what she sees in the world and it's being expressed because she's such a clear mirror she's such a clear mm -hmm. mirror that literally that clarity has allowed her to resonate and reflect back the bullshit that she's seeing around her yeah just curiosity it, it, it this is something that you see None of us, I, I think, can answer. You, the best person that can answer this, this question is, you know, through deep uh, conversation and talk with your sister. But I'm curious to know is like, is it possible that this level of clarity, you know, when we're willing to show up in our worst forms or our best forms, that there's mirrors out there like your sister that can actually reflect back in such precision what they see. And this is yeah. the actual purest sense of soul that can give brilliance back to the human understanding because they're able to cultivate and mirror back the image and the emotion and the connection at such a beautiful reflection that gives us clarity to see ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that throughout history, there was you know, individuals that allowed themselves to be those channels that were perceived as insane, but then they've created some of the most genius works ever. I mean, look at Nicholas Tesla. I mean, in the, his, his dying age, he was, you know, fell in love with a pigeon, right? You know, and that was like, when he passed, he was living in his place uh, with a, in, in love with a pigeon, right? You know, but he, how much genius was he able to take in and then source, right? And, you know, oftentimes when you, or when you're talking about that, oftentimes I've, I've seen like in Los Angeles, we have such a homeless population and a lot of them have, you know, mental illness. And there's a difference between having mental illness that is drug induced and there's literally receptors of your brain. And then there's mental illness where it's, you know, where it's something that maybe they're just this channel, like you're talking about. And, um, but some of the wisdom that comes out, if you've ever taken time to like talk to somebody and, you know, you can perceive it as these schizophrenic delusions or, or uh, schizoaffective disorder. But then like a lot of the stuff makes sense. You know, a lot of the things that are being talked about, it's just that there's this inability to integrate back into society. So there's this there's this openness of this channel, but this inability to express it in a way that the rest of society has deemed acceptable right or to operate you know and i think that that's that's that switch that is lost you know but you know the, the it it's it's fascinating when you hear you know i did uh, i was working on like doing a docu um documentary type style tv show uh a few years ago it didn't end up getting picked up but it was called another chance and i was going around interviewing uh, homeless people. And, you know, the whole premise of the TV show was, 
you know, we all have times of struggle from here to here and there, but uh, most of us have a support network to pick us up. What happens to those that don't, you know, and to rehumanize homeless and say, you know, if they're given another chance, they can integrate, you know, it's just they didn't have another chance, right? Um, so anyway, so that's, that's near, neither here nor there. That's another little project, but... <laughs> Um, I think that this is actually really beautiful because, you know, we talk about illness, but I, I really think that there's mental, what if we started creating mental wellness and, yeah. and, um, this is a new perspective because, you know, I'm working on a, on a, on a, on a project called wellness three and this wellness okay. three, it's a, it's a life guide platform for mental wellness, um, for, through the virtual world, as well as, uh, emotional intelligence and physical well-being. And it's interesting because inside of this platform, we work on the five dimensions of really cultivating better health. And through these better health components, we're allowing individuals to have better sleep, right? Better nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. Better understanding of themselves, better discovery of the, the, the world around them, and most importantly, the environment. And so the yeah. environment that they want to put themselves in is oftentimes something that they don't know about, much about, but if they could put themselves into a virtual environment that allows them to really breathe and connect mm -hmm. and put them into a state of absolute certainty that they're in peace, what can change into mental wellness? How can it really be evolved? And are we able to really transform the, the state of being of so many individuals around the world that actually need it, allowing them to actually take part in experiences or physical um, events that maybe they couldn't partake in Egypt or Dubai or, Dubai or, or Tulum or, or Ibiza, but they could mm -hmm. put on the virtual goggles and really immerse themselves into this like really creative experience that connects them back to their bodies, back to their breath, and through the sound, through the iteration, through the music. And this is something that I really believe that is going to change the dynamics of not just individuals that are living on the street, but it's going to change the, the, the trend. Like, what does corporate culture look like? How does organizational culture start to transform? What does the human dynamic really want to evolve to. And, you know, I am always fascinated and I say this with tremendous, tremendous uh, compassion. Although maybe some also a little bit like anger, mm -hmm. compassion, anger, I don't know how that works, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that the you know it to me it's fascinating that there's 40 50 million people that don't have health care inside of a country mm -hmm. that has so much uh, abundance you know and that's been cult cultivated so to me this is uh, uh it's almost like there's a first world or third world country inside of a first world society and it yeah. blows my mind and so i think that there's a, a really huge responsibility that us as future leaders really have and we can continue to cultivate that by just having the conversation by just being willing to say hey you know why is this happening because i i think all the tools actually i know all the tools all the generation all the abundance it all exists so yeah the only thing that's lacking is the leadership Leadership and, and, and the ability to change what societal norms are, you know, and I think that that it's starting, though, you know, that we have to Absolutely. say, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to happen. But you do see like a lot of companies taking the initiative, places like Google and other things like that, that they're like, OK, company culture, four day work weeks. Let's like let's have a day where you do volunteer work one day of your work week. You know, like you see these some some of these bigger, you know, Fortune 100 companies are starting to get the the gist of it. It's just that this ripple effect needs to start to translate down and it's great that they're doing it but people in the mindset you know like I'm sure that you you've come across this before but I mean the, the number one problem with with anybody and definitely that filters into society is their inability to be their self 
and then we're we're conditioned and then we're told and then we're we're unfortunately or fortunately we're these pactual beings you know the good thing about that is that we strive in community and we can't create anything by ourselves and this is supposed to be this communal effort and the bad thing about that is it 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 creates this innate conditioning that is done you know in our society and many societies in the world the wrong way and that is this it leaves people with this ability to impress, this ability to want to care more about what somebody else thinks or says than their self. And then they're somewhere along one impression and the next, they've lost their self and they don't know what it is that really makes them happy or they're embarrassed or they're ashamed if they have a breakdown or they can't process their emotions right or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's like, well, if we bring people back to say, okay, this is you, you know, the 7.6 billion people on the planet, you're uniquely you, you're not supposed to be anybody else. So what is it that makes your heart sing? Who is, who are you? What is your unique qualities and characteristics about your personality? What are the positive attributes? And to be honest, what are the things that you struggle with? Cause those are the coolest things about you, right? You know, and everything in between. And I think we need people like you creating this web three program and the different stuff, because it's like, okay, let's teach people how to be their self again. And I think that that to some people it's like, well, that's common. I'm me, but you're not you for the most part. You're not, you're this conditioned factor. And like, you know, sometimes when I like work with individuals, I had one client, we worked on like developing and getting his core issue out of them. The guy had was working on his fourth PhD. His wound was he didn't feel he was smart enough. So this core issue of not feeling smart enough caused him to continue to chase PhD after PhD to try to prove to himself that he was smart enough, but he never believed he was smart enough. He pulled that out and he didn't even want to be a professor anymore because it wasn't what he really wanted. That was just his coping mechanism of a wound that manifested, right? And it, it And it's like that kind of stuff happens for so many people. You know, we get into certain relationships, we get into certain careers, we do certain things. And some of it is from a wound, some of it is to please. And and then you pull it out, you you let your be yourself. And they're like, oh, well, I never wanted this. (laughs) Like, this isn't what I want. This isn't the life I would have designed for myself. And because you're trying to rescue, you're trying to rescue, I think sometimes other people and and so my curious actually this is a really good point that you bring up because this gentleman you know that has his four, fourth phds what do you feel uh you know when it when you know he he had to like almost go out there and prove himself to himself because he's not proven he's not needing to prove it to anybody else but i think that yeah. he's he's actually looking for the validation from the external world, not recognizing that he just needs to validate his own with his own like brilliance. Yeah, absolutely. And that comes from, you know, in, in my work and, 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 you know, working with thousands of people over the years and groups and individuals, like I find that it kind of boils down to most people have a core issue. Sometimes they could have a couple, but it's this event. You think that the world revolves around you when you're a little kid. And you think everything's perfect and your needs are met. And even sometimes if your needs aren't met to a certain extent, you're, you're, you know, if you're living and breathing, right. And then there's an incident that happens that shatters your reality. And in that moment, you make it mean something about you. And when you make it mean something about you, that becomes this deep seated wound. And for the rest of your life, you see the world as you are and not as it is. And so you're creating a filter system and you're going around and you're constantly validating that wound. But the interesting irony in that is you so desperately want to heal that wound, but you go about it the wrong way. And you're constantly then doing the things that, you know, would, you know, try to show that, you know, if somebody feels that they're a mistake and that uh, they have this wound, maybe they're a people pleaser and they're going around and they're trying to, but they never feel like they're included. Maybe they don't end up showing up at, at weddings or parties or different things like that because they don't feel like they're ever wanted. Right. And, and they might continuously try to do the things to say, I want love. I want to show that I want, and I want to do these things. Or like in this guy's example, you know, if he felt that it was stupid, everything in his life 
was built around trying to prove that he was smart, even having this false sense of arrogance about him of that he was the know-it-all. But deep down inside, I mean, we've been around people that, you know, boaster and they name drop or they do these different things so that they can feel important. But we see right through them. We know that they're insecure. But the same thing is true of the people that are witty or smart or perceive themselves to be humble, but really are they, you know, or is it run by this wound that is activating them? And so it's it's very interesting. I I I, but once it's pulled out, the ripple effect is crazy that happens in people's lives because now they're free. They're liberated. They're, they have the ability to do what, you know, when we were talking a little bit before we got onto the uh, start of the live, when you said, you know, you finally, you found yourself, you found that heaven inside of you. And then you knew everything, you know, and you could just be that expression of you. And that is whatever I would say at that moment. From my perspective, you healed whatever wound was inside of you when you were completely whole and free again. And and so now there is no proving, there is no need, there is this, this ability to just be. And if everybody can have that, right? And we can all have that. But it starts with actually looking at yourself and, you know, in a way you don't have to look at yourself and say, I'm bad or I'm wrong or this is just say, okay, I'm conditioned a certain way. So let me step away from my conditioning and say, what is that wound? Okay. And then realizing that you have control over your life and it might take some work, right? You know, if we want to get fit, if we want to suddenly run a marathon, it's going to take some work, right? But the result of finishing that marathon is going to feel so rewarding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And and I have to say that this is, I think, the most important thing. I mean, I always say this because I think so many things are important. <laughs> but, <laughs> but hey, you know, me, it's many yeah, important things. Yeah, exactly. So, so I find that there's, you know, we want to always go change the world. And I know that I was this eager beaver and wanting to go change the world five years ago when you know I ran into Tony Robbins and I realized that the only thing that I really ever like today you know last year you know like this over the past like the only thing that I really needed to ever change was my perspective was myself And, and when we do this we really set ourselves free because now everything comes from the perspective of the teacher right it comes from like you see the mirror of the teacher you're the student and you now see everything teaching you everything is a lesson and so it gives you this openness of allowing yourself to see hey i see creative intelligence in everybody because everybody is a reflection of me and uh, uh, is is an energy from our most eternal creator our 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 eternal teacher whatever god whatever you want to call it you know whatever you want to call the source, you know, like it doesn't matter the name, but this is the most important thing. And when you discover this, you realize that heaven isn't near or there. It's right now, you know? And yeah. I think that it's, it's, it's the most important again. It is. It is one of the most important things. And, you know, the reason why, you know, people have a hard time with that is they don't, they don't even realize that, their perception is only one perception that is possible, right? You know, most people, they, they, like I said a few minutes ago, they see the world as they are, but they think that that's how the world is, right? And there's, at any given moment, there's over 6 billion bits of information bombarding your senses. For all your listeners out there, you know, right now, some of you might be listening to it on an audio platform. Some of you might be tuning in on YouTube and seeing us. But what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the words? Are you focusing on what those words are, are making stories in your mind? But what if you took a minute and said, what about feeling your clothes? Can you feel your pants? Can you feel your shirt? Do you have a piece of jewelry? Do you notice that? What about your toes? What about the arches in your souls? Can you hear other sounds around you? Can, if you're seeing things, what can you expand that vision just a little bigger? But what happens when you start to notice your knee? Do you still notice your toes? You know, we take away, we only have the capability as humans 
to take in seven plus or minus two bits of information at a time. That's it. Some of us is at five, some of us is at nine. That's it. Well, the interesting thing is the average human has 60,000 thoughts a day and they're 98% identical from the day before, for the most part. We think the same thoughts, we think the same patterns, we do the same things. And, you know, we go, there might be a couple different things that change. But if in this exercise of just drawing your awareness to your toes or your, or your knee or whatnot, you realize that you can pay attention to something different. Imagine if you could see the world differently. I mean, mm. I like to look at like, you know, think about when you walk down the street, why do you notice stores, restaurants, uh, what sticks out to you when people pass by? If you're walking down the street with a, a, a friend or a lover, you probably notice different things about a group that passes by. They might say, oh, I noticed that guy, or you might say, I noticed that dog, or you whatever the case may be. But you notice different things automatically. Buy a new car, do you notice that make and model everywhere you drive? It's not that you're purposely like looking for it, it just happens because it becomes a something that's important to you, becomes something that's an experience to you. Now, I'm here to tell you what if every freaking thing that you're, you, the results that you have in your life are just through the filter system that you created. And just like you're saying, Eric, you can look and you can notice something different, but you have to, they have to first, anybody that's listening, you have to first be realize that you have the ability to focus on something different. You have the ability to look up or take the sunglasses off and see the world brighter. Yeah. But if that doesn't happen or you can't even do that on a subtle level, how are you going to do it on a dramatic level? Right? Yeah, this is, this is beautiful. And the way that you're explaining it is very, uh, especially the lens, right? When you're, when you're talking about the lens, and the explanation mm -hmm. it allows like when I see it it's like hey let, let's just keep taking these glasses on it's like one lens after another you know what I mean just keep and you can keep going these lenses keep like getting clearer and clearer you know yeah and and I think that there's I mean I'm, I'm certain there's there's still so many lenses that you know uh we can all clear clarify right or get clearer on you know I yeah. always say there's always another onion to to peel or layer to peel back from the onion in, in another thing that was just popping up in, in the perception thing, right? And your perspective and through the filters, but I, I think that there's not anybody that's not tuning in today that hasn't had an experience in their life that when they're going through it, it's the worst thing that could have been possible that happened. Maybe it's their first heartbreak. Oh my God, I'm never gonna get over this. This is horrible. Maybe they get fired from a job. Maybe something else happens, whatever the case may be. But you have that experience. Then you fast forward, maybe it's six months, maybe it's one year, maybe it's a couple of years. And you look back and you say, wow, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Your perspective shifted. Absolutely. You know, maybe that led you to travel the world. Maybe that caused you to do this. Maybe that met somebody else. That's the love of your life. Whatever the case is that helped you switch that perspective. But how can one thing be both the best thing and the worst thing? And that's because at the essence, they're neutral. It's how you choose to see it. It's your ability to see that. And then if you can do that with one thing and you have done that before with numerous things, you can do that with whatever circumstance you're struggling with today. Actually, this is a really good point. So going back to this and, and, and really navigating in that like six month perspective, right? Are you, do you feel that people can learn how to, instead of doing this in six months, learn to learn to do that in six minutes or six days. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I teach. <laughs> get so, it. So you know, it's not that things won't stir up. It's not like you won't get disappointed by life because we do build expectations. It's part of our genius of the ability to plan, right? You know, we, we had an expectation that we'd have a podcast today. Like, and so we put it in our calendar, we planned, right? You know, and so there... And then you might get disappointed or you might get let down or you might have these reactions if something doesn't go as planned. If you're really looking forward to, I don't know, a trip to a place and your flight gets canceled, you're going to get bummed, right? You showed up at the airport and you're, uh, you know, but how do you reframe it? How do you change it? How do you allow it to not destroy your day, right? You know, or your life, which is what a lot of people do. They're still living on a story that happened five years ago or sometimes even like 20 years ago. And I'm like, 
generation. Are you still really bringing that past with you? Because last I checked, if like, you know, you're moving forward, if you're driving, you don't look out the rear view mirror the whole time, right? You're supposed to look forward. I mean, listen, I think this is something that so many people do unconsciously from generations, yeah. right? And, and this oh, is something that allows us to really go deeper in this perspective of being able to change that into from six months to six minutes is really something that needs to be practiced. And so knowing that things are going to trigger you are going to show up, it literally has nothing to do with things outside of us. And so my question to you is this, how can one learn how to navigate more on the internal on a regular basis and understand that it's actually from the internal that the external shows up? It's a really good question. One of the things that I highly recommend is to learn to, to work the muscle of being able to mirror yourself through different perspectives and try to do that when you aren't triggered by something, right? And so like maybe it's an irrelevant type of thing that happens and you're looking at a situation, you're hearing a friend talk about something, right? And they're giving you their point of view and you put yourself in the other perspective of what's the other person's point of view or what's this point of view or whatever this. So you start to grow this muscle that it's not at face value what it is perceived, right? And the more you do that again with little things, and then another exercise to do is to look at elements in your life and the ones and the stories that are constantly popping up of these things that are these wounds that say, I can't get over. And you say, well, what out of that happened that benefited you, right? And this is an exercise that can be a journaling exercise. What benefited it? You know, okay, well, this happened and that caused me to be a little bit more independent or this caused me to do this or this or that. They could still have that wound, but what positive started to shift? So you start to train the mind to literally go through the process of seeing things differently, right? And the more you do that, it becomes a muscle just like anything else. And it becomes easier and easier to the point where you do it and you have unconscious competence over it. And when you get to that point of having unconscious competence to it, you show up at the airport that canceled your flight. And then your, your next thought, instead of, you know, it might be, oh man, I'm so disappointed. I was really wanting to go to Costa Rica or this and whatever, whatever the case may be. Right. And you said, this is ruined. And now I'm going to be late for my hotel. And you can say, well, maybe, you know, there's a reason, maybe there's somebody I'm supposed to talk to at the airport, or maybe there's something else that's supposed to happen. Like, um, maybe this allows me to get that work done that I was wanting to get done or that phone call that I was meaning to do. Okay. Let me make use of this. Right. And, you know, at first some people might use it as like a, you know, easy way is to say, well, maybe something would happen to the flight or maybe some of this, but look at about how you can make it personal. Right. Because when you can do that and you say, you say, because at any given moment, the more that you're invested in life, the more you realize, like, I feel like people that are actually living are never bored because there's a million things they could be doing, learning or, or accomplishing at any given moment, right? Whether it's building deeper connections and relationships with the people they love, whether it's some projects or some elements that they have, whether they're wanting to dive into that book that they can't wait, wait to read or whatever the case may be, Right. And so if you can use whatever you had a plan of what you were going to do and it didn't work out, but what did that open for instead? And then it becomes easy. And then the big thing happens and that really disturbs you, you know, your, your significant other doesn't show up at the altar and you're embarrassed in front of a whole bunch of people. How do you shift that? Okay. I didn't waste my time and energy marrying somebody that isn't going to be my partner in life. I didn't do this. Okay. What else? You know, let's look at this. Let's allow yourself to start to do a process of reframing. Mm -hmm. Again, you're going to be disappointed by life and nobody's going to be immune to that. There's going to be because we build, we build expectations because we plan, right? If we didn't plan, maybe there'd be something different, but we plan. We like to look forward to the future. We get excited about things but you can choose what you decide. You can either be fear and, and excitement are the same, almost the same vibration. You can live in fear and it can paralyze you or you can live in excitement 
you know, both are this vibration of, I don't know what to expect for the uh, unknown and I'm anticipating the unknown, right? Allowing yourself to step a little bit more into those other positive emotions. But by all means, if you're experiencing the negative, you have to ask yourself, it's a learning opportunity. Why are you fearful? What is coming up for that? What are you making that mean about yourself, right? That I'm inadequate, that I'm not going to be okay, that I'm going to be this, that this is the only opportunity, that maybe I'm not really good enough. What are you making it mean about you? Instead of getting caught in that vibration, feel the vibration instead of pushing it away. You know, why are you like emotions are emotions. Like I, I, I dislike how people are like, oh, we should never have negative emotions. If you have pain, like let's say physical pain, that's a signal to your body that something's wrong, right? Maybe you should be stepping on your ankle if you if it stings, you know, it, when you try to put pressure on it. Well, same way, if you feel sad, what is that doing to yourself, right? Why are you having that sadness? What are you making that mean? What is that causing? So identify it, feed into it, understand it, and then you can let it go. I always say, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Exactly. So when you choose to hold on and to continue to live and with the past over your shoulders and weigh down and tell yourself these repetitive stories, like, I mean, like, I don't need to hear like you went through the trauma of your lifetime when you were 10, but you're still living in the trauma of your lifetime today. Isn't it bad enough that that trauma even existed once? Why are you repeating it a thousand times? Living right? through it. Yeah. A story that yeah. keeps on going and going. This is um, very interesting. It's this reframing perspective because um, people, they don't, I don't think they're, like you said, uh, consciously competent to understand that they have the power to reframe in the current present moment. They get stuck in the story and the story is what continues to help them stay back into that lower vibration rather than creating that excitement and that certainty because it doesn't come from anywhere except yourself and stepping into the next moment yeah. to create the, the 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 circumstance rather than be a manager of the external and so how do you through your book or through what you do and through what you're, you're creating help individuals step into that level of certainty well you know one of the things is to as you were just saying, help them become aware, help them to become aware that they're in control and at cause and at power for their life. Right. And, you know, I like to say with that, that, that sometimes can be alarming for people because people like to claim responsibility for the things that go well. And they do not like to claim responsibility for the things that go wrong like to point fingers and they like to say that was them or that was this, or I can't believe I got cheated on again by another person. And that ah, they're such an evil person or why does this always happen to me? He said, you got to say, okay, you want to change. You first have to say, where were you at cause for that? You know, last I checked, you continued to, you know, like, let's say for a job, but they're complaining about a job. Like, well, you went to school for that. You, put in your resume for that. You showed up to probably numerous interviews for that. You continue to show up for work every day. Do you not have any cause in the situation? Yes, it might not be the responsibility that your boss is an asshole, but like what in you is putting up with it? What in you doesn't feel good enough about yourself that you don't set up better boundaries or better ways of how you navigate through life or what your life experiences are like, right? So the first thing is, is we really have to get people into understanding that they're at cause. No more victim, responsibility, right? Even if there's, even if it's just a slight responsibility, start to have responsibility. And then it's about looking at some of these core wounds that might be going on. What is the underlying script that is filtering? Why are you filtering the world through the things that you are? And one of the easiest exercises for that is anytime you have an expression of an emotion that is what would be perceived as negative, you have to first flip it back to you and say, what am I making this mean about me? Right. And then you say, well, why is that so bad? And if I was like that, what, why, why is that so bad? 
And you get to a point and use this chunking process and you get to the point of finding what is really bothering you. Because let's say you go to a, go to a restaurant, a friend's supposed to meet you and 45 minutes go around and you're sitting there at the table by yourself. They don't text, they don't call, they don't let you know. Then they show up and they don't even say sorry, right? And you're fuming inside, right? But if I get that it's easy to project and say that friends and uh, not caring, that friends, you know, cold, that friends, whatever. But what are you making that mean about you? Maybe that, you know, how dare they? Uh, I feel like I'm stupid. Well, what are you making that mean? I feel like then this. Um, maybe because I don't feel like I'm respected. And then why is not being respected so bad? Because then I'm not seen. Okay, so you're you feeling like a, you're not seen. Something here, that I think that there's a moment here that there's a responsibility, like you said, to communicate to your friend, hey, I'm just curious to know, why are you 45 minutes late? I, I'd love well, to- Well, no, yes, I, I, I say that, but you know you're getting <laughs> caught up in the, in, in the outward. Uh, this is about an internal process that's going on. So you can address what happened with your friend and what happened with how you want to change and navigate things moving forward, but that's not important. What's important is what did you make that mean about you and what wound or what scar was that really triggering? Then of course, yes. Hey, setting some parameters, figuring out what happened with your friend, doing different things. But the bottom line is, is you got to understand yourself. And that it's not about anybody else, because whether it's that friend and you understand their motives, you understand their reaction, you understand their story, there's going to be somebody else that does something. But everybody else is day players in your life. So what are you what are you constantly internalizing and what it what is this filter system that you're you're seeing the world through? Right, because we can have an event happen in front of us and there can be six people watching it. And one person finds it funny, one person is offended, one person, you know, doesn't even notice it, right? And we all have these different experiences of the one that triggers somebody to get like sad and they start crying, they can't believe it, whatever. But it's not about what the reasoning is for that event. It's about what is that internal process that is choosing to choose how to filter the world, why is somebody thinking that that's funny? Why is somebody thinking that it's sad? Why is somebody getting angry over it? You know, I'm more curious on that because then I can understand your internal mechanism to start to free yourself. Because if that's not the reaction you want to be having, and if that's not the impulse that you, you would like, you got to understand it. And if it is, you know, you're a Tony Robbins fan, if it is the impulse that you want, you have to understand maybe the processing behind that so you can match and mirror that over to other areas of your life. And this is this is the wheel of life where we're starting to be able to cultivate integrity. And I think to me, when you know your values, right? And knowing which ones matter most to you, for myself, this is like integrity. If we, if we know how to do one thing to the mm -hmm. absolute most level of highest state of integrity, and we're able to take that and put that into numerous areas of your life. And like you said, yeah. we match and mirror and we implement that into every circumstance so that we can show up in that level of intention. And so I think that when it comes to uh, this way of showing up and liberating yourself, I'd love to understanding your book because you know I wanna really know how can people kind of get the prologue of it in this like next two minutes and then how they can find out more information and then where they can find you about you know the work that you do because this is uh you know you're, you're doing beautiful work here so i think it's super important people can find out you know where you're at and what you what you're up to oh thank you well the book is basically taking you through the process of the steps towards i you know understanding how your mind works taking control and responsibility in life. Then you allow yourself to identify and take you through steps to identifying some of the core issues and really about taking you from that to shifting your perspective and releasing judgment to really allowing you to be a beginner in whatever new journey you want to create and have control over that. 
So it's really a process. So it, you, the reason why I wrote the book is that um, at, at the time, a few years ago, when I started writing it, I was, I had a tech company and I didn't have time to do one-on-one clients anymore, but I wanted to take them through the process of what I was doing for transformational change. And so I set out and I said, okay, I want, I want people to have the same results going through a simple book. And I don't want it to be too heady. I want people to understand it. I want anybody, no matter where they're at in their self-development to be able to pick it up and to be easy to get the results that they want because time is of the essence. This is our life, you know, and you don't want to spend another day trapped and living somebody else's life than yours. Right. And so that that's what it's all about. Uh, I mean, it's available on Amazon and Kindle will be an audible version soon. Um, You can find it to liberate yourself and, I also have a couple centers in Los Angeles. We do different transformational work there. Um, I have one, if people are familiar with LA, Los Feliz, and one in Sherman Oaks. I had a third one in Hollywood that we had to close uh, with the pandemic. It was more of like a a bigger center that we did a lot of workshops and events and, you know, uh, things change. You got to go with the times. Uh, And uh, yeah, otherwise, I have a website, christinadam.com. And, you know, um, that's that. Thank you so much. I'd love to know um, if you had three days left to live, mm-hmm. what would you do? I had three days left to live. <sighs> well, besides telling everybody that that I love them, I would definitely be spending time with my dogs and my girlfriend and in nature, somewhere in nature, enjoying the beauty of the world right it's you know being at harmony maybe somewhere with a with the ocean trees the ability to connect with this massive incredible planet that we have amazing christina thank you so much for your time your wisdom your brilliance your kindness your generosity Um, i'm really excited to stay in touch and i look forward to meeting each other soon do you have any last things you want to share um just that if anybody is listening to this and you're in, you feel that there's something inside of you or that you can be more than you are, know that you can and know that it doesn't matter what your story was. You can start to work on it today and shift it. Forget all of whatever you've been holding on to and say, this moment right now, this is the only moment you got. It's never to be repeated. It's like somebody once said to me years ago, you can't step in the same river twice and you can't live the same day twice. So allow yourself to let go and to be in the now. Presence. Thank you. Much love. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Hey everyone. And thank you so much for listening to the Resilient Minds. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please make sure to go comment and like and follow us on iTunes or Spotify and make sure, please make sure that if you really love this, to share this episode and make sure that you're inviting all your friends to like it as we continue to unfold what the beauty of our minds does. More importantly, how powerful our heart level of intelligence can be when we combine our heart and our brain together. And more importantly, Check out the alignment course that I've created. It's seriously there for you to take advantage of at www.ericbalance.com forward slash alignment. See you on the next show.